recording. All right, I'm trying to make sure if there's a way I can make sure it's recording in speaker view. Because last time I recorded in speaker view and then for some reason when I downloaded the footage, it put it like side by side. Oh, got it. Just for Here, the maybe viewer, it, it looks cooler when it's like goes back and forth. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll record it too, just in case. Um, yeah, that'd be good. Oh, You're actually a little bad. blurry Never right mind. now. Am I? Yeah. I'm worried it's my internet. Let's see if it uh, gets any better. Actually, let me um, let me close out all of my other stuff real quick. Oh, that's a good idea. That might be. It's a. Uh, we have like um. I guess there's a storm in the Gulf of Mexico. So it's like raining really hard over here in Florida. So yeah, it's raining. It's raining today too. Um, but it's like hot and humid rainy. <laughs> it's actually it reminds me of uh, England right now. So yeah. like <laughs> Where are you at? Are you in New Jersey? No, I'm in uh, South Florida now. West oh, wow. But it's my first time not flying. So it's going to be like my first time not having fallen snow and stuff and like oh yeah my whole life <laughs> <laughs> anyway. we, don't get a lot of, we don't get a lot of snow here in hawaii no i would hope not maybe, a little <laughs> maybe up on the mountains a little bit yeah yeah but for sure <laughs> all right so hey guys welcome to chef grace's place today i have a really special guest philip lemoyne He's got an awesome YouTube channel about how to make cooking videos, <laughs> which is just Philip Lemoyne. If you want to check it out, I'm going to put all the links in the description below. So uh, I'm really excited to, meet, to talk to you because obviously I have a cooking channel <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I could definitely use some help with it. Um, so I'm wondering, how did you get started with uh you know, film and video and all that other stuff. And then, because I just feel like it was a brilliant uh, niche to pick of how to make cooking videos specifically, because when I was starting out, I mean, I know how to cook. Like I could tell you whatever you need to know about that, but I had to, I took Photoshop in high school on, mm -hmm. on Adobe and I basically had to build it, like my, all my knowledge base from that. Mm -hmm. So it's been quite, quite the six months but your stuff is <laughs> like I was watching all that so anyway yeah how did you get started so good question I actually got into video when I was in middle school my dad gave me so we moved I'm originally from California we moved to Hawaii in 1996 and that's when my dad decided to upgrade his uh, video camera from our old school VHS camera to one of those smaller ones because we we're like hey we're new life in hawaii we want to document you know all of our stuff in hawaii so he actually gave me his old vhs camera and i started using that to just film anything and um i really got into skating uh in middle school and i started shooting and editing uh skating videos and uh that just kind of progressed over time and um you know fast forward to 2005 um uh in college i bought another camera and i started really getting uh like serious with it 
and um, we were going out and partying a lot and a lot of house parties and that sort of thing. So I was, I was filming a lot of house parties and random stuff like fights and <laughs> anything that like was happening in, in college. And then I would make these videos and put them on YouTube or no, it wasn't even YouTube. I don't even think YouTube was out yet or maybe it was, but I was putting them on like MySpace. And um, everyone was like, wow, these videos made my house party look cool. So I started getting invited to all these house parties to like, hey, film my house party video, film my house party video. And then that transitioned into one of my friends was a, a club promoter. And he was like, hey, can you film my club like your house parties so we can promote, you know, these events every Friday. He happened to be an event uh, co like coordinator as well. So I transitioned into uh, events like weddings and that sort of thing. And that's kind of how my like, you know, cinematography kind of progressed. Um, I moved back to Hawaii. Uh, so we moved, we moved to Hawaii in 96. We moved back to California. That's where I finished up high school and college. And then I moved back by myself to Hawaii in 2009 to finish my uh, business degree over at uh, the University of Hawaii. And I was still filming and um, I was doing events. And little did I know that Hawaii was like wedding freaking central. And so my business took off and I was, I went full-time wedding videography uh, the year that I moved here. And um, yeah, that's kind of how I got into video and, you know, um, have been doing it ever since. And it's just honestly something that I'm really passionate about. Um, I shoot, I film something at least once or every day uh, for fun or for anything. So, um, you know, I'm very blessed to be able to get paid to make videos. It's kind of cool. Did you study it in college too when you were going to school or are you just self-taught? I learned everything from YouTube. So I would just literally <laughs> Google like or YouTube search how to do this or that. It's funny too, because sometimes we get clients that'll say like, oh, can you do like this effect or that effect? And I'm like, oh yeah, I can do that. And I'm like, I'm sure I can YouTube it. <laughs> so I was like, oh yeah, we, oh yeah, yeah, we do that all the time. And then I'll like look up a tutorial on YouTube. <laughs> Maybe don't post that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I could cut that out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no 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 it's okay but that's yeah. what uh i mean i feel like that's what everyone does nowadays even like my uh you know if there's something wrong with the car or something my boyfriend will google had it or youtube had to fix it or whatever and it's just exactly it, it's a great tool it's the gift yeah. that keeps on giving <laughs> exactly and same for me it was just like how to dice an onion you know it's like you look it up and there's like there's like hundreds out there on how to do it, you know? And, um, you know, like some of your videos are great because it's like how to cut basil so that it, you know what I mean? Or, you know, do those sort of things. And some of the most basic stuff um, is some of the most heavily searched stuff, you know? So yeah. having that kind of content is really, uh, it's helpful. And yeah, I can get a lot of reach with that stuff. And actually that basil video that I just did, I had just watched your analytics video talking about the tags and stuff mm -hmm. and I had always like I'd always been pretty good with the tags of like put something in that you think someone is searching for but mm -hmm. then when you were like ah oh, you look up the best one and then basically copy their shit I was like yeah why am I not doing that <laughs> yeah. exactly exactly but I still have uh I don't know I'm still like annoyed because I would you know do that kind of stuff or realize it's the same tags like I went through like all of them 
and still the the videos that keep popping up are from like there's some from like nine years ago you mm -hmm. know like mm -hmm. eight nine seven years ago and i'm like how are these still the top three yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i wonder what that is too there's just like these weird you know algorithm things that happen but I don't know. Hopefully some of my top videos just stay there too. <laughs> yeah, well, I watched the, I actually, I'm thinking about if it's all right with you doing a, uh, you know how they do like the reacts videos? Uh-huh. So I'm thinking about doing that to your chocolate chip cookie video because I feel like in order to manipulate a recipe, I was trying to, so this is a two-part story. <laughs> <laughs> the, like maybe like a week ago or so I was trying to explain how to manipulate the creaming method which is the method that most cookie recipes are based off of and it doesn't really matter what the ingredients are but the, it's about the how to the process of making the dough mm -hmm. so I was like I'm going to show you how to manipulate this so I'm taking an oatmeal cookie and I'm making it into a carrot cake cookie you know like how to play with your ingredients mm -hmm. as i'm doing it i have like one of those ring lights mm -hmm. and i have my camera on the ring light and i was just trying to move it to like do the b-roll kind of stuff and oh no they have those two things that like one secures the camera and then one yeah puts on the tripod they're so close together but I must have hit it like half a turn and I walk away the camera slid off backwards and oh no onto the ground and oh no yeah so <laughs> it's just like like it's all dented on the bottom it's luckily it's not the side where the battery goes I think mm -hmm. so I think like the screen is like just gonna stay flipped out which is okay <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh i didn't it works yeah i think i was just such a like mental like block that i didn't film like the talking part like so i'm gonna have to do like a bunch of voiceovers and stuff today because i wanted that video to come out tomorrow but oh gosh uh, <laughs> that's like the struggle of youtube you know it's like i was like what it, you make these videos it's so difficult to like juggle filming and like cooking and then making sure that your food is not like burning and you know what I mean trying to get creative while you're doing all of that it's like it's so difficult to do and um there's no like I don't know I don't there's there was no one that was teaching how to do it to make it easy you know and I'm just trying to share like how I do it but what I like about your videos is that you set up your camera and you just are natural and you can just talk and like, so this is what I'm doing. And you just go through your process and you're showing everyone what you're doing and it's great. And um, I wish I could do that. I can't like be regular. I have to like script it because then I, I'll just stumble on my words or I'll uh, mess up or something like that, you know? Well, um, the flip side for me, I, hate that because I go off on a tangent and I just start doing it and later I come back to editing and I realize I don't have any interesting camera angles <laughs> or, <laughs> like any b-roll at all and it's just like I'm like oh and like or 
I'll be pouring something in or something. I can't even zoom in on it because half of it is cut off from the bottom. And I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah, it's, it's just a learning process, I guess, you know? And then I see yours and it's just like, and the thing with yours is the lighting. I'm like, it's phenomenal. <laughs> I just have a big, huge light that just big, like, yeah, it's like these, well, I got two of them that'll just like light up my entire kitchen. So it's funny. My kitchen looks probably a lot bigger on camera, but it's really tiny. I'm in this small little space in this tiny apartment in Hawaii, but because our kitchen leads into our um, living room area, we can get the camera further away. So I'm just assuming that maybe it creates that depth where it think you think it's huge, but like my counter's right here, you know, and like my wall's right here, my uh, refrigerator's right here. So it's, it's, it's this big. <laughs> Actually, it was the same thing. My uncle came to visit me a while ago and he had never seen the apartment I'm in just mm -hmm. on the, the uh, videos. And he's like, wow, this is a lot smaller than I thought it was <laughs> But I have sure. my my kitchen is like encroaching on my living room because I yeah. just yeah I have I've been collecting I've always wanted to be a chef so I've been collecting like kitchen tools since mm -hmm. I was like ten so oh wow it's like like I just have like this giant like all my tools are over here chilling. Yeah, I I like in like, the intro of some of your uh, of your videos you kind of do like a pan of like your kitchen and your whole area and you can see like wow you do have a collection of all this stuff so were you originally a, a you're originally a pastry chef yeah so the school I went to um you had to take like basic culinary before you could uh get your like to get your associate's degree in pastry like half your classes were culinary mm -hmm. so you learned like all the like right now I have a very large pot of stock on my stove like um and I've always just been into cooking because I think it's not to to kind of like separate it out it's not it doesn't do it like food justice because there's so many techniques in pastry that go into culinary and vice versa so I think it was really good that the school I went to you got a foundation to build upon and you can go into savory and or, or sweet it didn't matter which was great mm -hmm. but Fine. on the other side like you know there's there's things that i just don't know that are gonna that i'll probably learn on youtube like uh some butchery stuff <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know yeah. oh so, like working with meat and that sort of thing yeah yeah and i know base the basics mm -hmm. uh, i'm actually going to do a video on how to uh spatchcock a chicken which is nice. uh it's fun. It's easy too. It's just, you just cut the spine out really, mm -hmm. but, <laughs> but it makes it flat. So, yeah, yeah. Um, cause I just wanted to make chicken stock. So I needed more chicken bones and I was like, mm -hmm. Oh, I could do that. But, uh, I wouldn't have learned that kind of stuff. And I also took culinary in high school. So that helped out. Oh, nice. So, yeah, I, I took a, um, home ec class <laughs> in high school. I remember that. And, um, we had to cook like fried rice or something like that. But um, I've always been cooking with my mom. Like my mom cooks um, all the time. And so I would always kind of help her out and that sort of thing. So I think that's kind of- I was watching that video where yeah. you made a, it was a stew with a meat. Oh yeah, yeah, Nilaga, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 
that's one oh. of my favorites yeah for sure and it's fun like um you know cooking with your family or something like that and I think that's what's so great about food you know it just like brings people together and um I'm not it's funny because I'm not um trained I didn't go to school for any of this I'm not trained or anything but you get held to the standard or you get held to this expectation of like the way that things are done if you film yourself doing something and you don't do it exactly you're always doing something wrong no matter what you know someone in the comments is going to say like that's not how it's done or why would you do that or blah 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 you know and it's just like oh i i'm not a chef you know like i just this is this is how i dice my onions i don't know like (laughs) that's how i just do it you know and it's it's weird um having a cooking channel and not being like I'm not a cook or yeah I guess I'm a cook but you know what I mean like I'm not a chef you know so it's yeah but it's it's, this weird thing I mean I had to put I get the same things but uh the the one video I actually redid it because I saw that I mean I was wrong about how to sharpen a knife Mm -hmm. um because as a chef like you don't really go (laughs) as a pastry chef too, like I just send my knife out to get sharpened, but uh, yeah. you learn it how to, you learn how to do it in culinary school, like once, and then you never do it again. <laughs> 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 so, but I had, uh, you know, I'm trying to do, especially since I lost both my jobs from the pandemic, like growing food on my, that like my I patio, like yeah. trying to, bring in all my costs, but also like not sacrifice my health because mm-hmm. of just because I'm broke, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so sharpening a knife is, you know, it's a safety thing. It's also, I don't have to pay the, it's only like $5 to get sharpened, but $5 mm-hmm. in my pocket is better. To go somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I, uh, so basically I was like oh I remember how to do this didn't like look any videos up to like refresh myself or anything (laughs) and and, uh just it was just the one like swipe was like not it wasn't wrong but it wasn't the best way to do it let's put it Mm -hmm. this way so I was getting like all these really mean comments like just don't bitch we should shank it oh gosh like they're ruthless the comments are so bad yeah i think i think one of the comments i got was just like what a douche like it was just someone just called me a like this guy's a douchebag or something like that and i was like damn i'm just making tacos like yeah but one of the um, yeah one of the things i learned though being a flight attendant was uh you know it's don't take it personal because yeah you probably look like their ex-boyfriend or something you know <laughs> <laughs> like they just they got some pre you know thing yeah, about yeah. how you are as a person and we all do that but yeah you yeah, know, yeah you try not to hate them too much <laughs> no yeah Th- that one actually kind of made me laugh because it it was just like so random you know what I mean it's like yeah. there's some really random funny ones on there that are just like I remember I looking know. at one and I look at the, this was actually on Facebook, not on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And the guy was like, like literally, I think he he was some sort of like LARPer or something, like live action role play person. 
Mm -hmm. He was like literally dressed as a troll. Like he had a shield <laughs> and the sword and like a fur thing. And I'm like, this <laughs> guy's literally a troll. Like he could live under and a leaving bridge. Comment. Right <laughs> leaving trolly com leaving yeah. trolly comment. Oh man. Perfect. Um, but anyway, so <laughs> you started the YouTube channel with your business with all the events and stuff. And then you got monetized just because you had like all the events, like you made that thousand subscriber level and then- No, actually, um, I, so I started my YouTube channel a long time ago and I would only post just random stuff on there, like um, anything, like, cause I just film all the time. So I would just post any videos up there, but they weren't like youtube -y style videos where they were trying to teach anyone anything. They weren't like travel-y or anything. It was just stupid videos really. And then um, I think I had like maybe 200 something subscribers when I decided to make YouTube style content. So like four years ago, I was like, I'm going to go all in on YouTube. I'm going to do YouTube. I got all this. I started planning everything out, everything I wanted to do. And I had all these ideas um, in different categories. You know, I was like, well, I want to teach people how to film weddings, you know, because I'm a wedding cinematographer. I want to show everything, my whole back end, how I book couples, how I, uh, my contracts, you know, everything. I was going to do this whole stuff about, you know, weddings. And then I, um, me and my fiance were kind of um, hippies. So we try not to use plastic. So, you know, I had all these videos on the ways that we live plastic free and we like make our own deodorant and, you know, we do all this hippie shit. So I was like, you know, that's a whole nother like, you know, channel, but it's like all this other content I want. And then, you know, we travel a lot. Um, luckily we were traveling a lot at the time so we we filmed all of our traveling and you know so I was like oh I could do all these travel videos with tips on things to do in Bali and you know so I had all these content ideas and I and I just did a brain dump you know like four years ago and then it wasn't until 2019 January actually it was December 2018 when I was like I'm gonna do my first video I'll do a cooking video and it's uh I made lumpia which is like a recipe that I make all the time um, and I was like, I'll just film it. And then I made that video and I made a few other videos that month. I think I made like three or four cooking videos. And, um, then I just kind of stopped. And then, um, I think March or no, that was on, so that was December, January, 2019. And then, um, I want to say around summertime or a little bit after summertime, um, uh, keep in mind, like I did a ton of research on YouTube. So I, I already was, I had affiliate marketing set up. I created a blog. I, you know, knew how I wanted to structure my videos. I had a scripts and everything uh, already laid out. I just, I made a couple of videos and then I just fell off because it's, it's a lot of work, you know? And, um, and the wedding season picked up and I just got busy and I kind of just forgot about it. And then I was doing my bookkeeping and I saw... Um, that I had like an Amazon refund for like 55 bucks or something like that. And I was like, what, what did I, what was this $50 from? Like, where did I, what did I, why did I get $50 from Amazon? What did I return? I don't, I don't see any, you know, my books aren't lining up with a purchase for this much and then a refund for this much what's going on. And when I dug deeper, I found out that I actually got money from my Amazon affiliate. 
And I was like, holy crap, like I made money. So then I went on my YouTube. I was like, what's going on? And I had like 800 something subscribers. And my uh, my Lumpia video had like 20,000 views. And I was like, holy shit, like this YouTube thing was working this whole time and I didn't even do anything, you know? So um, I then I was like, I'm gonna go all in on YouTube. So then I made like four or five more videos all on different topics. Cause I remember I had all these ideas but I didn't know that I wanted to do cooking. And so I just started making other videos and uh, like, you know, shampoo bars and you know what I mean? Like Tupperware containers that we use, it's most random stuff. And then uh, none of those really hit, but my cooking videos kept growing and kept, like my subscribers kept growing from, you know, that cooking. I made a Olympia video and like a how to sous vide the chicken breast to get juicy chicken. And those two videos are still performing really well. Um, but those kind of helped got my channel to a thousand and then I was able to monetize in, in I think, November. And then, uh, yeah, by November, I was at a I had about a thousand, a little over a thousand. And then, um, yeah, th then it kind of just snowballed from there. What really kind of happened was um, the chocolate chip cookie video. That's really j j uh, January this year, 2020. I, it was an experiment, actually. I was like, what is the most basic basic recipe that everyone makes you know what i mean like lumpia is very niche it's a filipino egg roll you know what i mean it's popular but like what's a really popular dish and i was like chocolate chip cookies everyone does that so i made a chocolate chip cookie video and then yeah with covid you saw the the analytics video with covid and everything that happened that thing just took off and then my channel really blew up from there I'm going to link that video in the description too. So that's oh, a cool. great video. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, it actually, it does remind me of, uh, the Catherine Manning. Yeah. 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 I think that's but, her name. Yeah. She, I pretty yeah. much just ripped off her video. You know what I mean? I just watched yeah. her videos. And I'm like, Oh, wow. She does really good analytics reports. I don't even know analytics that well, but watching her videos kind of taught me. And I was like, Oh, I kind of just mapped that structure out on how she explained her um, analytics, I'll just do the same thing for this cookie video. Yeah, when well, I liked it better too, because I feel like she's got so many subscribers now and stuff that it's not really the same, you know? Mm -hmm. And also because you're doing the cooking videos, it's very, you know, it's uh, directly related to what I'm doing. Whereas if you're always looking at analytics on like how to do YouTube videos, I feel like that's probably one of the most watched topics, you know, because people on YouTube are trying to figure out how to do YouTube. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's just, it's, uh, I it's feel, very I feel like you found like a great niche, like that. No, I don't see anyone else doing what you're doing right now, you know? Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, I, when I was making my cooking stuff, I was like trying to figure out how to film cooking videos. And because um, I filmed, I have filmed other restaurants. I've made videos for restaurants. I filmed them cooking. You know what I mean? I've done a lot of foodie events and I filmed a lot of cooking, but I've never filmed myself cooking, you know, and um, it's difficult. And um, I was just so surprised that there isn't someone out there that teaches how to do it. I mean, there was a lot of videos out there, but a lot of them were just teaching that Buzzfeed, you know, you shoot directly down on your plate. And it's non-creative. It's just a really straightforward how to shoot, you know, but um, 
I would get so many questions on how did you shoot that or what did you do? And, you know, we're all in these Facebook groups together and um, people would ask these questions and I was like, I'll just make a video about it. I'll just show you like what I do, you know? And then that started turning into like other videos and uh, camera settings and all that stuff. So it kind of just like, yeah, it became its own thing. It's like how to make YouTube cooking videos, you know? So I, I really know, like the, uh, the one you did on the thumbnails because that, the one thing I did, would find videos on was like food photography, mm -hmm. which is, I feel like it's, you know, it's the same thing, only different. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, I remember when I was, there's a lot of tricks I feel like in food photography though, that I don't see people that do videos about food photography, like actually use. Like I was in, I was doing like an online cooking and brownie business for this nonprofit. And uh, they came in to take like product shots of all the stuff. And I thought like one interesting thing that I learned is like, for the like super chocolatey stuff, they would take a little bit of uh, like vegetable oil. Mm -hmm. to make it shiny. Oh, to make it shiny. Yeah. And, like really pick up like the the cracks and stuff and the brownie mm -hmm. or, and I feel like, you know, like, or like even he was just like telling me about um, like not things we were doing in that product line, but you know, how they like miss the burger to get the droplets on mm -hmm. it and like, <laughs> Like lettuce stuff. looks like fresh and yeah yeah and i was just like man so it's such or like when they film ice cream it's not actually ice cream it's Mashed like potatoes. shortening yeah yeah it's yeah it's like food coloring and like so because so it doesn't melt right yeah yeah a lot of the stuff that we see is just unedible like yeah. a lot of the food it's under it's not it's raw you know it's like a raw turkey because they shrink right when you cook and then the bones get exposed it'll be like a raw turkey and they'll just paint it brown. So it's like a nice big plump, you know what I mean? I didn't mean? know that. Oh, yeah, it'd be like a nice big plump turkey, but it's it's not really cooked, you know, for some food photography. But um, yeah, it's interesting to see that too. And yeah, to try and create a really nice looking thumbnail for Instagram, I mean, for YouTube of the food that you just made, that's like a whole nother process, you know, that that gets overlooked too. Um, when I first started cooking, I was like, I forgot to take pictures. So I was just doing screen grabs of my food. And I was like, I never really got a good shot, you know? And, it's, and then now it's like, where do I put my text? You know, because everything is centered, you know? So I got to like hide everything, you know? So yeah, it's those things. It's, it's this experience that you run into filming. And it's like, oh, well, if I could just share that with other people, then they and won't. And you're talking about the rule of thirds. And I was like, right yeah. back in my high school photography <laughs> class. Yeah for uh, sure but it, yeah that, that was just uh there, there's something i was gonna add to that but i forgot oh what do you i think that's the thing though it's like i i love cooking but i know way more about video than i know about cooking you know what i mean so like well like I'd, in that cookie the cookie video i was like i love this i love that chocolate chip cookie recipe you put on there so I want to do like a reacts video to that to explain the science of why it's so good, because I had never that was my first time seeing that recipe, and I was just and I've tested so many chocolate chip <laughs> cookie recipes, because when I was doing that business, we were not only did we have to try to figure out 
what's going to taste the best, but we were trying to figure out what can I package and what can it, hold, yeah, yeah, for and like mail out, and it'll still be good in two weeks when it gets to California. Mm -hmm. If someone doesn't want to pay for the expensive shipping, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, that was really challenging too because we wanted to make sure we didn't put in any like crazy chemicals and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so what we did was we wound up using half butter, half coconut oil in most of the recipes. So we kind of had like a, we had a chewy consistency, but it wasn't as dense as that um, butter cookie, like the melted butter in that recipe. Mm -hmm. But the reason why that works so well is because you're taking in the creaming method, the whole point of the first part is creaming the butter and the sugar, and that's having a butter at room temperature and those sugar crystals, they cut air bubbles into the butter. Mm -hmm. So then you have air in your dough. So by melting the butter, you're just making a super dense cookie that doesn't have any air in it. And that's gonna lead to that dense, chewy, fudgy texture. Mm -hmm. So I was just like, I love this video. <laughs> that's what's so cool about like, I think baking and like so difficult about it too, right? Because it really is science, you know? And you can take those same exact ingredients and if you just change the measurement slightly or even the way that you incorporate them, you can get a completely different product, you know? So um, that's why it's uh, so cool. And, and again, so important to follow the directions, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's one thing they just throw it all together and then that's the thing i like that's the thing i hate about actually the trend yeah. of people just doing like this ingredient this step oop, oop. this this yep. this mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know because i want to in my channel at least i want to teach you the directions but i want to teach you why you're doing it because like if you didn't know that part about the creaming method mm -hmm. maybe you would have been like yeah whatever it's kind of melted and then put yeah, it in yeah. there or it just whipped it up so much. Like, mm -hmm. is it mixed enough yet? Like, you yep. you know, you wouldn't know. And so I feel like if you teach people the why and the how, as opposed to just like, this is what you do it, this is when you do it, mm -hmm. then you're going to give people the creative freedom to like change their recipes up, which is what I was trying to do in my oatmeal carrot cake cookie thing. But <laughs> we'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially like bread, because you, your first videos were about bread, right? And yeah. that's a whole science thing too, with your home starter and everything like that. And it's an important process to, you know, doing that to get, you know, the results that you want. And yeah, there's some of those steps you can't like skip or like overlook, you know, and. And I was actually just testing out a recipe, a bread recipe, which was like, I got, I went down like a, a Paul Hollywood City Bakes rabbit hole on YouTube a couple days ago. <laughs> but he went, uh, San Francisco is like one of the best baking cities in the world. Oh, really? And, uh, for, especially when it comes to bread, because it's yeah. like home of sourdough. Sourdough. And yeah. um, so <laughs> maybe, uh, or maybe it was in New York. I don't know. I watched too many videos that day. <laughs> but <laughs> um, they were doing a no need. Uh, bread that it would they didn't start it with a sourdough they started it with uh, like a instant yeast mm -hmm. but he literally the guy mixed it up 
let it sit for 24 hours. You put one fold in it. ferment or something? Yeah, let it ferment. And then it got all the air bubbles and stuff, which I'm like, that makes sense because you have like a slow, um, like a slow ferment to like have enough air in it and stuff. But you, you haven't developed any gluten if you're not needing it or yeah. folds in it. And so I was like, this would be interesting to try. But, and I saw the way it came out and it looked like a sourdough, but then I was like, well, can I do this no need method with um, the sourdough starter instead of adding instant yeast to it? And I tried to convert to figure out like how much of like a gram of instant yeast would be in my sourdough starter, but it didn't, it came out like a Frisbee, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so back to the drawing board on that one. But I think if I just adjust my, like if I take out some water and put in some like more sourdough starter, then mm -hmm. it, might act, it might actually work. So that's like in the works. We've been really getting into making pizza. So we've been trying to like, I'm in the process of trying to master like a pizza crust right now. And are you doing um, a, like a fresh crust or are you doing a sourdough crust? It's a fresh crust, but I let it proof in the fridge for like four or five days. So it'll like do a really slow and then it gets like that sourdoughy. It'll do like a really slow rise in the fridge and then it'll uh, have that kind of sourdoughy, you know, texture. You might to as it. well do a sourdough if you're going to put yeah. it in there for a week. <laughs> yeah, but I use like uh, even like um, a really little bit of yeast. I think it's like a teaspoon I think the recipe I have is just like a teaspoon to like six cups of flour you know so um and okay. um and five cups of water or something I don't know it's almost like a it's a weird recipe that I've been trying to because it's you know with these things you need to be kind of exact on certain even like weighing some of the things and that sort of thing but it's sort of almost like um oh like five cups of this and then you just add flour until you get that consistency if you want and then um but I think I need to kind of be a little bit more specific on it because it's inconsistent, I guess you could say. You know, we've been making pizza a lot this year and sometimes it's really, uh, you know, the crust has these big bubbles in it and it looks really good. And then sometimes it's like really dense and like, you know, even though it, it, it doubled up or whatever, we have these like, these cambos that we put them in. We bought, these are like our pizza containers, but it, you know, it'll be like this thing and then it'll, it'll come up to about right here. And, um, you know, you pull it out and you, you try not to um, really work it too much. You just kind of like let it stretch by itself and you have the fat crust and yeah, sometimes it'll pop up and be really good. And then sometimes it's just like, I actually have some in the fridge. It was really dense and really chewy, you know, but yeah, I was trying to master the, the dough for pizza. It's a, uh, it's a process for sure. A lot of it too know. has to do with like the, the temperature of the dough mm. and like even like opening your fridge too much you know it's gonna change oh, wow. the, the thing um mm -hmm. actually one of my next interviews um two of my friends i went to college with with they moved to colorado and they i mean they've been like pretty much running restaurants ever since but they just opened a pizzeria in oh, wow. the stalina and but they they opened it at the start of the pandemic. <laughs> oh no. Uh, but it seems like it's doing good. I was like, well, if you're gonna open any kind of restaurant, you know, pizza delivery is probably the best 
thing oh, yeah. going on. Uh, I hope they deliver. I just made that up. So, <laughs> but I'm thinking did, pizza, you got to deliver, you know? Did you hear that like these ghost restaurants are starting to pop up and it's starting to become like a popular thing? Like restaurants are just only doing takeout because, you know, with the whole pandemic and everything that's going on. So instead of actually opening a restaurant space, where, you know, you have the large overhead of the rent and, you know, the tables and all the stuff that comes along with owning a restaurant, what people are doing is, is they're just renting a kitchen and then they're just cooking to go orders basically. And uh, some of these restaurants teamed up with grocery stores because some of these grocery stores have commercial kitchens that they can cook out of and they're renting the space and then they're just getting the ingredients from the grocery store as they need them. And um, every, all the costs are getting cut down and everything. And yeah, they can um, fulfill orders and, and deliver. So their, their, their main focus, uh, their overhead isn't as much because you don't have a staff that's just waiting around hoping that someone will come in and dine. It's really uh, people that are going out and delivering the food. So I thought it was kind of a creative way to re kind of work the system or the industry you know what i mean to still be able to cook and um you know feed people so it's kind of interesting yeah i find that interesting too because that's kind of it's kind of like having a food truck without a food truck yeah yeah because it when you own a food truck you have to i mean legally you have to have a commercial kitchen that you cook out of like it's mm -hmm. called a commissary kitchen and then you would take all your prep for that day and stuff and put it on your truck and go do mm -hmm. that now do people you know they get someone they pay someone to say hey i cook my food here but then they don't you know they do it at their house or whatever and then they put it on yeah the yeah yeah um just because you know and people will rent those those commissary kitchens out like it's it's basically like renting a restaurant so mm -hmm. i think to kind of circumvent that whole thing is gonna it's gonna change the way we we do things <laughs> yeah i think a lot of this you know this whole covid thing i think just changed so much i know it changed a lot for me you know just with work you know like um it, there's no events that are happening anymore like my business or my industry was geared specifically around people gathering you know and um we can't do that right now so um you know it's trying to pivot and figure out well how do we do take the things that we enjoy doing or that we're already doing and make money off of it you know what I mean and I think what's cool too is like we also learned a lot about what we don't need to you know what I mean like saving money is so important right so I've learned so much on the stuff that we've spent so much money on that we just cut out and we've been saving so much money, you know? And it's like, wow, like if I just knew that in my business this whole time, I would be so much more in the profit or in the green over these years compared to, you know, um, in the past where I was just like, oh yeah, we need that expense or we need that service or we need that. And it's like, crap, like we actually don't need it to stay alive. And yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. I mean, can you hear the people talking in the hallway? Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> <They're really loud. laughs> um, so, um, Distracted. Yeah. I know I got like 
garbage trucks coming over and stuff. I don't know if you can hear all of that stuff too, sorry. No, <laughs> usually you can. And it's like, I don't understand why you're talking in the hallway. Like, go inside. Yeah. <laughs> That's like apartment living at its finest right there. Oh, I can't. Can't wait to buy a house. But that's Dude, what we're trying to save up for so we can do do more of our hippie shit bro yeah. <laughs> Dude, us too. Like I saw that you you know, we wanna um have our garden and stuff too, but our apartment doesn't allow us to have plants, you know. But we actually just got a new I should probably shouldn't say this too loud, but we just got a new um uh, what is it called? Like a it's only going to be on YouTube for the whole world to hear. No, so yeah. I, <laughs> I, I doubt they'll watch this, but okay. I don't know if they'll like look into my, like, where has he been? But I, um, they haven't been like looking, they haven't been even like maintaining our place. So I just started planting plants and they're growing. So it's like, whatever, like if they yeah. say something, we'll pull them. But if not, like, Oh, I've been getting um, in and battles with oh, the God. because yeah. i saw you can't hang anything so you like built your uh things so it can still grow up right yeah and then they said i couldn't have that shelf there and i said well your the rules and regulations don't say anything about no shelves it said i am allowed to have patio furniture mm -hmm. that looks like patio furniture to me <laughs> and then uh they weren't happy with that <laughs> oh gosh so I wound up taking it down the shelf and putting another planter there because what I, I just got like these ten dollar storage bins from uh, like Home Depot that were on mm -hmm. sale. And uh, if you're gonna do that, it's very important to make sure that the plastic is um, BPA free and all that yeah. stuff. Um, but the good thing is they're they're big. It's basically like having a raised bed because mm -hmm. they're so big, and then um, I can rotate them. Mm. Sun. but do you get a lot of sun on your your balcony area though surprisingly i get i get enough but um we're headed into fall so i'm not sure how mm. like th what the reduction is going to be like but i mean i can't really even go out there until like two or three in the afternoon because it's just so much sun oh it's like direct yeah i just burn like a lot of <laughs> <laughs> we um yeah there's a spot over where we put our some of our plants like my basil plant and everything we're growing over there what i really want to do is i want to grow tomatoes and um, we have actually like a chain link fence where it gets the most sun like all day i want to say like more than eight hours of sun a day and i'm wondering <laughs> if i just put like a planter right up to that chain link fence and then like let it grow up the fence and then we just have tomatoes growing off of that fence, but no, that would totally know. work. Yeah, I don't know how again, like if we're able to gonna get away with it, but they haven't said anything about our basil plants. So we like I said, we have a new landlord, they're never here. Our past landlord is very by the book. You can't have anything else, you can't leave shoes out in the thing or whatever. Everything was very strict. Now it's like they haven't been checking anything. So and these plants have been out for uh over a year now and they haven't said a thing. So that's really good because I mean my maybe. landlord's cool for the most part but it's like in Florida like I'm not used to this because I, being from New Jersey we don't have like we don't have condo like apartment complex like like we don't have them like this they're all usually you have a slumlord that owns the whole thing 
and mm. hasn't updated anything since yeah. the you know the 30s or whatever yeah. when his grandfather yeah, yeah. built the building <laughs> yeah, yeah here it's like you know it's like a management company that like mm. one one company manages they own like the actual like structure mm. of the building mm. and then the landlord owns like the inside you know yeah. Wow. So it, it's like, there's like an association or whatever that exactly. you have to follow all this stuff. Yeah, we I know exactly what you're saying. And I'm just like, I just want a house. <laughs> I know when we when we lived in a certain part of Hawaii, there was some specifics on you couldn't even have in Hawaii. So we don't have central AC in a lot of the houses. It's like you need one of those air conditioning things that like mount to your window and it kind of blows the cold air in. Some of the, one of the apartments that I lived at, they didn't allow you to have a window mounted AC because it didn't look nice, you know? So you just didn't, you didn't get AC and, and that was a part of the association rules, you know, and it gets so hot, you know, but I don't know. I, I understand, so I understand how it is to like. Cause it didn't look nice. Oh my yeah. God it makes everything look ghetto or something like that. You know what I mean? It's like, well, we're sweating. That's what we had in New Jersey because the buildings were built in like, like the house I grew up in was built in 1920 something, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe the earlier. I remember it was the first, cause like it was such a small town. They had like, you know, all the records of everything. And um, like the people that like built my house were in like the, graveyard like up the, up the street you know oh, gosh, that kind yeah. of thing <laughs> and then uh I remember the house that we lived in was like you know like a nice size like you know middle class house that you would think of in a movie or something and then next to it uh before they ripped it down there was a small house this guy lived in and originally the small house was like the servant house for the house oh, I lived in. yeah 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 and it was just like what like this isn't a mansion you know what I mean <laughs> yeah yeah but you know even like the archways are smaller because people were smaller and like it's, it's just, just like really old like that's how Hawaii is too like a lot of these buildings like this building that we're in it's made of cinder blocks it looks like I mean if if I shot because we don't have anything on our walls right now it looks like I'm in, in a prison because it's just like cinder block buildings, you know? And then even like the older houses, they're from like the twenties and thirties that were built here. They're like a single, it's single wall construction. Like the, the, the wood is like this thick and um, there's no beams in between. It's like that the wall is just a piece of wood that if you were to drill a hole through it, you'll see outside, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and um they're, it's just crazy how like old these places are like there's one outlet in the whole entire house you know and then like it's just like this old really dated um housing and plumbing and everything and yeah it's hard to get uh, and it's expensive it's like a million dollars you know so it's like crazy yeah to get air conditioning so yeah we, we always had box windows or window box mm -hmm. uh unit yeah the fans mm -hmm. you couldn't to install some like some of the houses you couldn't because it was like a historical house mm -hmm. and you had to keep mm -hmm. it like the way it was basically mm -hmm. and also because the wind the walls were so thin you didn't have enough room for an air vent to make the central air mm -hmm. so you couldn't do it anyway unless you wanted to spend a lot of money yeah and then 
it was just like easier to put something in the window <laughs> yeah <laughs> so but you then you always have like like i remember when we were kids like we had the big air conditioning on the first floor and then like the only for a long time my parents room had the air conditioning so in the nice. summer we when it was really hot me and my brother would sleep in the living room <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, like camp out <laughs> because it was too hot in our rooms but then as we got older like everyone had a box air conditioning and it was like luxury but nice yeah we in our old apartment we had an, one ac in the living room and um i would just like blow it towards our uh bedroom and then i would put a fan at the front of the door to like like push it into the room and it's like that's how we would get like ac in our bedroom yeah you gotta get super creative with that yeah I know it's so hot and humid right now in Hawaii too. It's like raining, but like sunny and it just, it's so terrible right now. Yeah. What, uh, so you're just growing basil or what I'm is growing this other basil. hippie stuff that you do? I want to hear more about the hippie stuff. The hippie <laughs> stuff? All right, what other hippie stuff that we do? So me and my, me and my fiance, um, we are like volunteers with uh, sustainable coastlines in Hawaii. And it's pretty much about like, you know, there's a lot of, huge plastic pollution problem with our oceans. You know, living in Hawaii, we're surrounded by the ocean and the ocean provides us with so much. Um, and it's really sad to see how much trash ends up in the ocean from Hawaii. And I mean, from like the people that live here and not only that, but all the tourists that come and there's just so much stuff that happens. Um, all of the stuff that we put into our bodies and, you know, all that stuff, just it, it all, affects you and the world you know so we just got a little bit more intentional with like what we consume whether it be um you know eating or drinking or um even just like what we watch or you know participate in um because that all like i said has an effect on you and um one of the big things that we started you know being a lot more conscious about was our uh, plastic consumption, uh, specifically, you know, single-use plastics, stuff that, you know, is wrapped in plastic. Um, so we just uh, started changing up the way that we purchase things. Oh, and that's the other thing, too. It's like, wherever you put your money, you're basically voting with your dollar, right? So if I say I'm going to buy, if I need more of this, if I'm spending this, you know, the, the manufacturers are going to say like, oh, wow, like, people like this. So we're going to keep creating these products, you know? So we stopped purchasing certain things if it wasn't, you know, uh, produced sustainably or, you know, I mean, we still buy stuff in plastic all the time, but I mean, it's just the way that the system's set up now. It's like, everything's made in plastic, you know, it's, it's almost hard to not buy plastic, you know, but yeah, we're just, I guess, more conscious with, you know, the things that we purchase and, and use and, if it does come in plastic, we will use that plastic until I'm trying to find something up that I can. We'll use that plastic until it falls apart. Like, oh gosh. So like these containers, um, whenever you go to like a deli or something here, um, we actually bring our own containers. So if we go somewhere to eat, we'll bring our own containers and then they'll pack our food into the container. And then that way we don't have to um, take these single-use plastic containers but because of covid <laughs> you can't touch anything you can't do anything right so we can't do that anymore so we've been compiling a lot of stuff but 
Um, yeah, that's one way we do it. Um, you know, reusable bags is an easy one. But uh, what a lot of people don't know is they actually make reusable produce bags too. So whenever you grab your broccoli or your lettuce or whatever, you know, usually you'll put it in a plastic bag or like a bunch of tomatoes or something and put it in a plastic bag. We have these reusable produce bags that are really thin that have a drawstring on them. So you can, you know, put your stuff in there and you're not collecting plastic bags. And, um, oh, actually I have one right here. It's like this. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, we got these chilies in here. And um, it has like the tear weight on it too. So the, um, the uh, what do you call it? Put a link in the description, <laughs> Amazon. Yeah. But um, yeah, we, uh, we use those and um, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think of other stuff that we would do. Um, we would bring our own, yeah, to-go containers too. Um, you know, when you go out to eat, if you have leftover food, they'll put it in a styrofoam box, you know? You we'll just bring our own container a... and we'll just scrape it off. Oh yeah, so my, my fiance makes um, deodorants, um, lip balms, um, lotion. Um, we use shampoo bars instead of, you know, when you buy shampoo, typically it comes in a plastic single use pump container or something. Uh, they make these really nice all natural shampoo bars that are sustainably produced that it's literally just compressed shampoo <laughs> and you just like draw a Actually, mohawk on your head. Yeah, before I <laughs> stopped uh, flying, that was like gonna be my next purchase because I always, like I have like a small little container that I would just mm -hmm. like refill from my big one. Mm -hmm but they would open all the time and leak all over my oh, bags. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, was, let me try out this bar shampoo conditioner stuff. But, mm -hmm. you know, then the pandemic happened and I never. Yeah. Well, that's even great too, like to buy a small container that you can refill compared to just going to Walmart and buying a bunch of the, you know, single the use travel, travel size, stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, oh, I'm just gonna reuse this one, you know? So it's like things like that, you know, that, um, prevents more trash to end up in the ocean basically so and if you don't yeah a bunch of travel size crap it was like it was getting it was just getting so expensive too yeah to do that. so mm -hmm. i'd rather buy the big if you buy in bulk usually it's going to be cheaper anyway yeah so if you're helping yourself and you're helping the earth <laughs> yeah and we repurpose everything too so like we have an old duvet or you know, cover, uh, bed sheet cover or whatever that was starting to just get old from washing it so many times. So instead of tossing it out, you know, we'll turn that into like rags that we can use. So, you know, cut it up and, and wipe stuff off with. And instead of just buying a bunch of clothes all the time, we'll, you know, um, fix our old clothes, you know, if something rips or tears and, um, or we'll um, buy secondhand stuff a lot. You know, um, a lot of the stuff that we use, if, if we can get a wooden version of this instead of one that's made of plastic, if it breaks, we're not throwing away a big piece of plastic, you know, so. That's true. Yeah, a bunch of little stuff like that, that um, we just try and be a little bit more conscious of. Um, what other hippie stuff? I think our big hippie goal though, is to like live off the grid and like, you know, have like a little, not a tiny home, but like, you know, like a, a small home, like a 800 square foot, two bedroom, and um, grow our own food and have chickens that lay eggs and, um, you know, catch our own 
water maybe <laughs> and um we definitely want a flushable toilet but oh yeah for sure i'm yeah. not giving that up yeah yeah for sure i mean there's definitely some luxuries we want but yeah just to be able to like get our own space one day and and be able to grow our own food and and cook with whatever we can and yeah i've been um, watching a lot of those uh homesteading channels on youtube <laughs> yeah dude me too like yeah. it's i don't know it's interesting it's interesting especially uh roots and refuge farm i've been watching that they're in, like is that the ones that are like building stuff out of like Roots and Refuge Farm? They're, I'm thinking um, of those people like in some random third world country where they'll like grab a no, stick I know and what they'll you're talking about. a whole freaking jacuzzi. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like you made like this underground like pool. Yeah. They will make every single brick and then like build a freaking. <laughs> and then fill the pool with like, you know, like take his cup basically and come back like 3,000 times just to come. <laughs> exactly and then like cut grass out and then like lay grass around it after it's crazy yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then then you're just hanging out and I'm like mm -hmm. that must have took like, like a year yeah it's amazing and then I'm, at the same time i'm watching it i'm like and yet he's got a camera yeah. to, and a wi-fi connection to upload this video yeah <laughs> who filmed it yeah so but yeah, I love those. But they had that one. Uh, the other place is like a, it's a farm in. I want to say Arkansas. Might be Al Alabama, Arkansas. I want to say Arkansas. It's the one that people make a joke about that are from Kansas or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's just like I mean they have like animals. They have like pigs and goats yeah. and chickens and stuff but um after starting like to grow my own food and stuff i'm like it's way cheaper mm -hmm. and even if you can especially in florida i don't know if we want to stay in florida or not but they have um basically like giant tax write-offs that are like to qualify as a homestead it's like less than you would think like, I think you only have to sell like $1,000 worth of produce or something a year, which is not a lot of produce. Yeah, a and, year? Wow. Yeah, and I looked at, they have all these tax write-offs for it mm -hmm. and stuff like. Because they'll consider your land like agriculture or something, right? Exactly. Then, but yeah, then if yeah, you yeah. actually go and you look at the properties that are considered homesteads, it's a bunch of fucking rich people that are just using the tax loopholes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, I have a goat. Like, it's a homestead, whatever. Yeah. And yeah. Then, like, oh, we got like five mango trees or something like that. Or, like, yeah. And it's like a mansion yeah. and like with a golf course or something. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> no, it's like obviously kind of, not. Yeah. That That's kind of the way it is here, too. Like, you can get tax breaks if, you're, if your land is considered agriculture. agriculture. And I, I may be wrong about this, but, you know, Hawaii, we have a lot of lays, you know, like the lays that you put on people when they come to visit. Yeah. You can just grow a bunch of flower trees and it's considered ag from from what I've heard. I might be completely wrong on this, but and because um, people can, you know, take that to make lays from them. And um, you can just have like 20 plumeria trees, I guess, on your land and I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm I may be 100 percent wrong, but yeah, I think um, you. I definitely know that you get tax breaks if your land is considered agriculture. You know, 
Yeah, and then I went down the rabbit hole of um, like just like farming practices and like no-till mm-hmm. and all that other stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, I could do this. And yeah. like, you know, it's not, I feel like people try to make things sound harder than they actually are. <laughs> but then once you see the YouTube video on it, you're like, I could do this. <laughs> yeah. I think what's cool about Hawaii though is we are our climate it's like perfect all year around so it's easy to grow you know what i mean all year like we it'll be december middle of january february it'll still be 80 degrees and sunny you know so um, the one thing too is you also have all that volcanic ash and stuff Mm. which is it's good for a lot of different plants but you guys also have some cool stuff that like doesn't grow here like that you're not like a lot of root vegetables and stuff Mm -hmm. that yeah, yeah. yeah and i'm like I, w- I was watching something about food in hawaii i'm always watching food things <laughs> but i was just uh, and actually my um one of the chefs i used to work for he's uh hawaiian oh, okay so he's from hawaii so i i said hey come on the show and i'll uh because i want to learn more about uh hawaiian food so mm-hmm. He just did a pig roast in his backyard or something. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, and like dug the hole with the pit and everything yeah. and buried it. And I'm like, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. But, you know, emu, they do that um, a lot. And they, uh, it's kind of popular to do during Thanksgiving too. Like, I mean, they do it all the time, but like sometimes they'll, they'll, big, they'll dig a big emu and they'll put a bunch of stuff in there. You know what I mean? It's not just the pig, but like they'll cook a whole freaking neighborhood's worth of food in there. And then, yeah, then they'll pop it open and everything like smokes and steams and, and cooks in there. It's pretty sick. Yeah, it's so cool too, because it's like, you know, humans were doing that before we figured out how to make yeah. an oven. Yeah. You know? So it just shows like, I feel like the tradition but also like the advancement of technology and how we, you know, changed things. And then, you know, one of the, probably the thing I love the most about cooking is that it, it creates a community, you know, yeah. like I'm talking to you, it, it's still creating community right now, like, but in a different ways than it did hundreds of years ago when we buried things in the dirt to cook them. Like yeah. <laughs> you would have been my, my neighbor in like the the hut next door <laughs> i'm talking to you and you're you know yeah. six times i think that's way. <laughs> i think that's what's so cool about cooking and food in general is, is like we all do it right or we all eat so it's easy to like relate to certain people on food it's almost even like how we almost identify with some people in a sense like so i mean this might sound wrong but you know, like you'll meet someone of specific ethnicity or, you know, not you specifically, but, you know, we might meet someone of certain ethnicity and say like, oh, I really love this dish from their ethnicity. You know what I mean? And it's like, not that I'm encapsulating you as a person and your ethnicity on this like dish, but this is how I can relate because I, it's, it's related to food, you know? And I mean, um, yeah, I did that. That's literally all I do all the time, yeah. especially when I was a flight attendant, like, I guess it's in my culture as a white person just to like <laughs> take other people's recipes. <laughs> but, no, I know but, what you mean yeah. though. That's how that dude, that's how like Hawaii is too though. Like our cuisine is such like a fusion, right? I almost hate it in the sense, I hate to talk shit about it, but it's like, 
it's always like some sort of fusion of Hawaiian and not Hawaiian, but like Japanese and Asian name type of like, you know, cuisine, you know, there's no like this or that or that. It's, it's always just like this mix, but I think everyone comes here for that too, you know, but oh, it's yeah. always nice to see when restaurants pop up that are like New York style, American Italian, you know what I mean? And then you got your, like your actual, like Italian, someone that's like Italian trained, whatever that's like very specific on the way that they execute. And it's, it's interesting seeing like these different cuisines and how they're interpreted here in Hawaii. And, um, you know, you look in the kitchen and it's like a Korean restaurant or something, but there's like a, a Micronesian person in the back cooking, you know what I mean? It's like, or vice versa, you know what I mean? Like you go to a, a specific restaurant, like pizza and it's a Filipino person making it or something, you know? So it's a weird mix of all of that stuff here well i think especially like growing up on the east coast like you know people would be uh it was it was a weird battle between like the fusion and being like authentic yeah right yeah. and i'm like it's important to like pay respect to the <laughs> tradition but at the same time you can't let it like limit you and then people would be like oh well Especially I'm Irish Italian, and um, so everybody's grandma has the best whatever. So it's just there's no like winning or losing over there. But you can't if you just stick with tradition. We never advance. So you have yeah. to make sure you pay respect to the old stuff, but you don't take the bad habits with you. You know, mm. and then people would argue, well, this restaurant is the best, but then it didn't matter what restaurant you were in. All food is Mexican food because those are the people that are cooking. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth. In California specifically, too, it was like the whole kitchen, yeah. Yeah. The whole so staff, it, you know. Which just proves yeah. that, like, it doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter where you come from or what your ethnicity is. Like, great, if you can cook, you can cook. Like, great mm -hmm. food is great food. And, you know, I know some killer Jose's that know how to make, <laughs> you know, like pasta vodka. Like this is not, yeah. so, but at the same time, like, you know, you never want to like, you can't disrespect like, yeah. you can't disrespect the grandma. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a weird, it's like a fine line. You know what I mean? It's like, how far can you take it? And you'll always have those critics that'll say it's bastardized or whatever, you know, but. Yeah, but those people... are the people that, they go and they review things and they, eat, way, they don't yeah. actually cook. <laughs> yeah, 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 true. Yeah, when I was making Lumpia, I wanted to open up a Lumpia company. And I was like, I'm just going to bastardize Lumpia. I'm going to just fill it with different fillings of like pizza or cheeseburgers. Because it's just a vessel. You know what I mean? It's just a vehicle. If you think about it, it's a pastry wrapped around. It's a, it's a thin pastry wrapper that encapsulates a filling. And there's traditional fillings that were made in the Philippines. Everywhere in the Philippines, they probably filled it with pork or chicken or fish or something different, whatever their, you know what I mean, region or whatever specialized in. But then, um, you know, it's essentially just a vehicle. So I'm American. I'm half Filipino and half white, uh, Irish specifically. And um, why not make like a, you know, um, 
whatever I want to say. What's Corn the Irish? Cabbage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like that, or or um, you know, uh, like I said, like a pizza filling, or some of the things that I'm into, chicken pot pie. So I actually made these recipes and I did all of these things and they came out really good. And I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. I'm going to make a food truck and I'm just going to, you know, pump out bastardized lumpia. And then it was just like, oh man, I don't know. Is that like bad? You know, there was this thing in me that said like, oh, is this being like, is this just like taking my culture and um exploiting it you know what I mean or something like that it's like this weird it is but it isn't because I think then you introduce people that would never even try mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that kind of food to that mm -hmm. like even look at Kogi taco truck that yeah yeah we mm -hmm. started the taco or the food truck like revolution basically mm -hmm. that was Korean food and Mexican food together yep. you know mm -hmm. and that was amazing I, lo I love what they did too now they're doing Indian food and like tacos oh wow Oh man, the chicken tikka masala empanada, like dude, that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, so and that's what like, I mean, right? So good. But then I always made sure that I would have my traditional lumpia too, you know. So yeah. that was my idea too. It's like, well, here is what a traditional. This is the one that I grew up eating. My mom made for me. Is is ever since I was you know little. So here's the traditional one if you want to try it, you know. And then and here's then the here's the cheeseburger flavored one. You fat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because you know sometimes you gotta lure them in with the cheeseburger and then yeah something that they are comfortable with you know sometimes they might feel uh you know you just got picky eaters i'm a really picky eater but you know that might be a little bit more easier for them to like you know oh i've had this before i'll try that you know so yeah and then they <laughs> you kind of like i feel like it's kind of the same with music like you have like a lot of artists will do like kind of like a more pop album just to draw you in and then mm -hmm. they'll make what they really love and show you why they love mm -hmm. it and stuff and kind of educate you on music a little bit of why they're doing oh, it. Wow. So yeah. I feel like with chefs, it's kind of the same thing. We're going to give you the molten lava, the molten chocolate lava cake, like <laughs> our, our way of doing it. And then next time you come in, you trust us enough to mm -hmm. let us show you something new and creative. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You got your staples on the menu and then you got your other stuff, your other dishes too, yeah. So uh, how many times are you going to wear that shirt? <laughs> I know, seriously. I um, I was watching my chocolate chip cookie video. I mean, so I, I did my chocolate chip cookie video analytics wearing this shirt and then I made the chocolate chip cookie video in this shirt. <laughs> And then no, I was, I was talking like, about the chocolate chip cookie. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but I'm like in it. I have, it's funny because I work from home and um, I never leave the house. So it's like, I just wear the same thing every single day. And uh, I mean, not every single day, but I literally wear board shorts in the house all day. I don't have a shirt on. I'm just walking around the house in board shorts all day. And then um, when I need to hop on something like this, I'm like, oh, I'll grab my go-to. You know I mean? So I got like, my three shirts that I wear and then yeah I only have to like actually dress up to present myself I only have to put a shirt on when I need to like talk to someone on zoom which is like once a week you know so yeah I'm in the same boat I've been wearing leggings it's so funny that you asked me that because I think that too and you're not the only person that said that it was like so many people that are like wow shirt again huh like oh like so I'll see them out 
you know what I mean? Like, now call me out on it. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, actually. But then I watched this minimalist guy. I don't know if you know, um, gosh, what's his name? Oh, it's going to drive me crazy. I watched this guy. He's a minimalist though. Oh, and he wears the same, he just bought like 10 of the same exact shirt. And he just wears the same shirt every day. And he, he bought 10 of the same exact pants. And he, and he just wears the same thing every day for like the past five years. And he's like, it's just easy for me because I don't have to think about what I'm going to wear. I can just use my brain power to think about something else and I don't have to decide. And I was like, man, maybe I should just buy like don't do three, it. three or five of these shirts. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like really considering just buying like a handful of like, just finding a shirt that I like the fit and then just buying like three of every color or something like that. See, that, just, that works. That works. Yeah, but like, yeah. I remember it's like reminds me of a was that was like you watch a Doug all the time. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. In his closet. In his closet. Just... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was like, and then I remember when I was a kid, my favorite color was purple. So for like like people just kept buying me things that were purple. And I walked out of the house one day and I had a purple shirt on, a purple jack- jacket, and a purple backpack, and a purple <laughs> hat, and purple gloves. This is the winter. And I was like, I was just walking to school, and I think it was him, actually. He was like, he was like, wow, you just won big purple today, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but Bar- um, he's like, oh, Barney had to uh, take a day off or something. Oh, like, gosh. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's funny. All of my shirts are striped, too. So I have just like oh a, a white, uh, the opposite print. Well, I guess it's not the opposite, but I'll have oh, like, like a shirt with right? navy, yeah, thin navy ones. And then I have these big white stripe ones. And it's like, I just think for me, the stripes, your shirt is like, I feel like it's big enough, but sometimes, especially on the TV, if yeah, people they're wearing, really thin. Yeah, it's like yeah. they're moving. Yeah, yeah. It hurts my eyes. I have to it's look called away. More, more, I think is the term yeah it's because the uh the lens of the camera it's so sharp and the sh- it has something to do with like the shutter and the frequency of your camera settings and everything that because the way that your video is recording it records in like lines sometimes so it's not just one main thing. sometimes it's like linear it'll do like one line at a time but really fast like thousands of a second it'll do a bunch so like a printer would yeah yeah like those old school printers kind of yeah but um it'll read your lines not all at the same time so that's how you get that oh yeah so it's not because even with like just smaller print like i think i had an apron with like tiny polka dots on it Mm -hmm. i was like i could never wear this in a video again because it was like yeah it makes this weird like i was like i didn't i didn't need any any edibles today <laughs> What's going yeah, on? it's like one of those things you got to look at it really close and then when you pull away like you see the dinosaur pop out or you know those 3d <laughs> yeah, it has that weird like effect to it right yeah those black and white posters but like yeah the, the spirals and shit oh know. yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, with all the lines that are really close and stuff yeah yeah you got to just be careful with those prints but it's weird because then you can watch it on a larger screen like if you watch it on your phone sometimes it's it, you really see that effect a lot more. But if you watch it on your computer, because the screen's bigger, you're able to separate the lines more, you don't notice it. So it's like a weird. See, I have uh, the opposite problem. I, it happens more on my 
but my tv is kind of older i think mm. that's it but my like you know like the tv in the living room we have the playstation hooked up to it so we put it through there so but maybe it's just because it's like all you know playstation 3 like old <laughs> older stuff <laughs> it's probably like it's not compatible with the technology yeah. anymore with new technology yeah so maybe that's it but i'm gonna use it till it stops working <laughs> yeah there you go sustainability it's not broken don't fix it exactly. you don't need to replace it yeah and then we looked up the uh the worth of a playstation 3 because we're like oh maybe we could sell it and do something <laughs> It was $18. Damn. That's how I am with all my camera gear. You know, like I have all this camera gear and I'm broke right now. So I was like, I need to like offload some of this gear. I'm not shooting anything. So maybe I can sell this $5,000 camera for at least like $4,000. It's like, dude, you can't even give them away these days. Cause it's like, it came by the time it comes out six months later, there's a new one. And, and then three months after that, there's another new one. It's like, no one wants yours anymore. It's, it's, that's like what's phone. about technology yeah like i just got this iphone and then they came out with that 12 that's in 5g you know and it's like i was like i don't do i need that i don't know you know yeah i don't and like i dropped that camera oh my god that was the worst feeling i yeah. was just like just give it up now grace like <laughs> yeah i've got so close to that so many times oh my god. i've had it like i you know i'll like pan down to like film something and it slides forward and then what's cool, what's left, luckily about my camera gear is the plate that, that mounts it to the, uh, there's a plate that I would put on the bottom of my camera. And then that mounts it to the tripod or whatever. It has these little safety things on there. So if you didn't lock it, even if it slides, it has like a clip that like stops it from like sliding off completely. You have to like press a button to like unlock it and then pull it out. But I've had so many times where like I went to pan down and fill my you know spaghetti sauce or something and it slid and then it like caught it right before it fell in the sauce i'm like oh god <laughs> oh my gosh oh my god i know do you have any tips for um the one thing that i think is the hardest for me is trying to get a good angle on the stove because the stove faces the wall yeah mine too and then when i get a good angle i'm getting the lens all steamed up <laughs> <laughs> oh like shooting down on it right yeah yeah i think um what i do is i'll i um i try not to shoot over it i'll just i'll pretty much just stay behind the stove you know what i mean so and then i have, I have my stove here yeah i'll keep my camera like off to the side okay like that or um or I'll come up and shoot down at an angle and then I'll just zoom in. So I don't have to necessarily get the camera lens over or too close to it. And then that's when the steam will hit the lens. But if I can, you know, zoom in from where I'm at, I can at least get a closer shot of what's in the pot and the steam won't get to my lens. But I'm actually, I wanna buy a con convection. No, it, no, not convection, um, induction burner or induction top. I want to get one just so I can cook on my prep table and just face Ooh. that you way. You know what I just got? I gotta show you. So cheaper than this, but more fun. None of my, um, none of my pots and pans are induction. 
compatible though. <laughs> so I would need to yeah, buy. Yeah, they have to be magnetized. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only my, only my, um, what is it? My not stainless steel, that big heavy one, the I mean, uh, cast iron. Only my cast iron is the only one that'll work. Some of the stainless steels work. Mm -hmm. um, you'd have to look it up. But we went to the Army Navy store, something, the, the like surplus store. Mm -hmm. And we got this uh, oh, burner nice. for, it was only like, it was 30 bucks. And we got a can of butane with it. So it's like. Oh, nice. Yeah. I was just like, this is amazing because. I'm going to try to do the cooking that way, but I haven't yep. cooked with, I'm just so excited to cook with gas. You have no idea. Oh, dude, I hear you. Because growing up, like, you know, the induction burner, like cooking with electric sucks, man. <laughs> the thing that I don't like about the induction burner, though, too, is that when you turn it off, yeah, it looks sick. And you, when have you, turn a, you put the can in there. Mm -hmm. of butane and you just uh feed yeah it you just press it yeah water. so and you could take it anywhere and you don't have to plug it in yeah so the only thing about the induction one was that i um i hate when sometimes i like to leave something in the pot and turn off the heat because the count the top is still hot you know what i mean yeah. Like sometimes I'll poach an egg in my ramen, for example. I'll make ramen and then I'll break the egg into the soup and then I'll turn off the heat. But the countertop's still hot and it still continues to like keep this, the you know, everything hot. But what I noticed with the induction ones are once you turn it off, there's like no heat. Yeah. Like the thing is not hot anymore. You can take it off and you can like touch it yeah. and it won't be hot. So it doesn't work the same. You know, and um, yeah, I think that's uh, one of the things. I think the main reason I didn't want to do the um, the uh, propane version is because then we end up just using a lot of those single cans. You know what I mean? And then tossing. But I just think it's not. You know, I feel like I'm not going to be using it enough mm -hmm. to like have that much waste. If that makes sense. No. Yeah. So I was actually thinking. Um, so we have one of those. It's a camp, uh, a camp kit one. Yeah. That it's a double burner that was like super expensive because it had like eighteen hundred, whatever firepower, eight BTUs or whatever the thing. Oh, is. That, that seems excessive. <laughs> yeah, it was like a lot. I don't know what it was, but you can connect it to one of those big tanks. Oh, and okay. Those big tanks or things. So I was thinking, oh, maybe I can use that, but. Um, what's weird about the camp one is that the top doesn't come off. It's like the top folds up and it's meant to stay up and these sidewalls come over so that wind doesn't like blow it out. Cause they're thinking you'll be out camping. Oh, okay. So they made it to where the lid stays on. So I want to see if I can find a, a version like that, that I can, or maybe I can just figure out a way to ghetto rig it and take the top off. So when I cook with it and then at least it's two burners, but. Yeah. I mean, I'm really excited about cooking with gas because yeah, you have so much more control over yeah how to, how to cook and that yeah because I mean even with the induction like it just sucks because like you don't have the heat coming up the sides of the pot and mm -hmm. it it changes the whole way you have to cook really like even if you're making an omelet 
Mm. can't tilt the pan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Put it yeah, in the yeah, flame yeah. to finish it off before you mm-hmm. put it on the plate. Like, there's a lot of just things you don't realize that thing. you... And also, when you try to turn it down because it's getting too hot, like that coil and the electric stove, it stays hot. Yeah, 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 exactly. Or it takes forever to heat up. Or Yeah, yeah. Or the induction doesn't stay hot. I mean, with the induction one, you might try... Um, like using a, like you already a sold. You already sold me on just getting propane. <laughs> I mean, like, well, the thing was yeah, so it's just way better. Too. Yeah, I think the main thing I'm really stoked on though is being able to just put it on my prep table, and yeah. I don't have to move my camera. I don't have to, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, now we're gonna cook. Boom, just place it down, and then I can still face the camera. Because like you, my stove is facing the wall. If yeah. I want to get nice lighting, I need to bring this big ass light over, and I gotta, you know shut everything down and switch over to the oven mode and you know what I mean it's just this process and it'll be nice too because I'll have it here and I can shoot different angles it's not just the one or two angles I can get of this stove I can come from the side so I think that's what I'm really excited about getting like a small burner like that and you can uh this one I like that the burner comes off because you can really oh you can clean it yeah you can clean it yeah yeah I like how your burner too it has a nice size thing to hold your pots and pans i think my camping one it's just like these wire grates that there's just four of them so it doesn't really hold a pan really well it's it's made for camping you know so i think i might look into a really nice one like that that's the other thing we need like new pots and pans i really want to get like the stuff that we have is so old and and falling apart and it's almost embarrassing to like show it on camera well also they have come a really long way in non-stick technology Mm-hmm. And uh, this is like one of the things I learned from working at Sir Latab because um, when you get hired or when there's new products, you have to like sit down and watch everything about all the products they sell in the store. And uh, one thing that like it really sold me was I got a scan pen, which is a Scandinavian pen. And uh, they use it in Noma, which is like one of the best restaurants in the world. And um, I'm, you know, I'm just oh, sold. Yeah. being a sa- salesperson, but, uh, <laughs> but the thing I love about it is that it's not Teflon. It's a not, it's the way it's fired in the kiln is what creates its nonstick coating. So mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about using Sick. metal on it and scraping mm-hmm. it and getting that toxic chemical into your body. And like, even, you know, even if you don't, like I always use plastic and like wood and stuff on my nonstick stuff, but after yeah. 15 years, like that shit's going to chip anyway. Yeah. 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 Or even if you just grab a spoon sometimes to like, you know, give it a quick, whatever. And you, you touch some metal to metal. Yeah. And um, so this, you can use metal on because it's not Teflon. So nice. yeah, it's just amazing. And Ninja, uh, Ninja just came out with a uh, new cookware, like line and i've been trying to like get them to give it to me for free somehow <laughs> i saw the convection oven they gave you though yeah that, that thing was crazy. awesome that yeah we love it we use it more than our regular oven now because yeah you don't and have to because it's got the fan in it that mm-hmm. would be perfect for baked goods especially um like puff pastry mm-hmm. because the way the the fan will heat up the air quicker so you actually have to 
Like say for cookies, you wouldn't cook them at 350, you'd cook them at 325 because mm. it's going to heat it up faster, but it gives everything extra lift. So your puff pastry gets taller, oh, it gets taller yeah. because of nice. the pan and the it heating so quickly. But, but like an electric oven with a fan is just as good, I think, as a gas stove, like a gas oven with a fan. But if you don't have a fan in your electric oven, it's like... Like I do, it's like it's like yeah. this big oven. It's awful. Yeah. That's like what we have right now too. It's just like this old this oven, and we've been trying to cook pizzas in it, you know. Oh, and do it you doesn't have get a that hot. Uh, we actually got a steel, so I I did a pizza steel. Um, it I guess what sucks is you have to preheat the oven, so our oven gets at five fifty, and then you have to let it preheat for like one hour, because then you want that steel to get that temperature you know what I mean? To come to 550. And then, yeah, but at least we get like nice leoparding on our pizza and everything. So, and it cooks in like four minutes, five minutes. You just, you slide it in there. That's, I don't why Steel sounds kind of gimmicky. I'm not going to lie to you. The thing, <laughs> I know I did some research. There was some science behind it, but it's something to do with the way that it not necessarily just holds the temperature. Like, ceramic does or like you know like a pizza stone would but yeah. it's the way that it transfers that uh heat to whatever is touching it and that's something that a uh, pizza stone doesn't do compared to steel and that's how you get a more you get that leoparding that everyone wants when it comes to like pizza like a pizza crust or something like that do you put semolina on the bottom of your pizza crust I put uh, rice flour actually, <laughs> but it, it, I was just looking for something that has that like grainy slipperiness to it. Yeah. So I'll, uh, I'll dust my, um, I'll dust my peel, my pizza peel with the rice flour. The rice and flour? Then, yeah. yeah. Cause yeah, I know it it's like yeah. hard to get some stuff in Hawaii too, right? Like, it, yeah. cause you have to import everything. It's, it's yeah. Crazy. Everything's imported. So I'm sure semolina flowers pretty expensive <laughs> oh yeah everything's expensive in hawaii anything that you could see in the mainland is like double the price here <laughs> that's, that's crazy yeah it is crazy and that's why i think it's so important that we like learn how to farm and grow our own food you know like yeah. why why are we importing 90 yeah. percent of our food when we can grow it here you know instead they're like they're using the land to I'm gonna get all political, but they're using the land to like build housing and and more tourist attractions and all of that. That's where they want their money to come from. It's like, no, like we should be more sustainable. When COVID happened, everyone is freaking out that like they were gonna stop shipment to Hawaii. And we were like, we're gonna run out of food, you know? And yeah. some of the some of the trucks, or not the trucks, some of the uh container ships, they weren't allowed to dock uh on the island because um they thought they might be infected and we didn't want to bring anyone on the island that could we're on an island you know yeah. and we only have like 500 respirators and all this crazy stuff so anyways um there was this huge panic buy for for groceries and it was crazy how walking i wish i filmed it but walking through the grocery store everything was gone it was completely empty even all the frozen vegetables all the aisles it was completely empty and it was because um they couldn't restock because they couldn't dock a ship. And um, it was wild. 
And I was like, why are we like this? Like, why, why aren't we able to grow? We, we are able to grow our own food. Like, why aren't, why aren't we doing it? You know? So I'm hoping with the new legislation and everything that's happening uh, this year and we're all voting and everything's happening that, you know, those things will change going into, you know, our future. So that way, um, you know, we're a lot more sustainable as an island when it comes to, you know, uh, food. And I that made me think, you're, are you doing hydroponics? I was trying to do hydroponics. Uh, this is what happened. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry uh, about that. So it's really hot in Florida. <laughs> and I wound up boiling my plants. Oh my gosh, it's that hot? Growing them, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, no, no, no more hydroponics. So. Oh my gosh. But that's, yeah. That's, it was I think crazy. that's going to be like another type of like, farming future too i was thinking like that'd be so cool to like what if we just had this old warehouse and we just turned it into like a hydroponics farm and with science and and all that stuff you could you know map the growth in the least amount of time and it's all organic and you know what i mean like you can control the everything you know and that's how i thought at first but um Cause like, also I wrote a book on marijuana edibles. So like my original gardening was a little different. <laughs> but, um, and that's usually hydroponically because yes, yeah, yeah, to get caught. So <laughs> yeah, it's in their closet. Yeah, it's in a closet or something. But uh, it's like lined with foil. <laughs> it's like a closet lined with foil. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, so basically you had, you know, I was like, oh, I could just do this hydroponically. But then also, like, as I got into my research, dirt is just better. Like, it's just better because you already have the nutrients in it. And as long as you're not, like, one of the things about America is, like, these monocultures of plants that we have, like, destroy the soil because they're just trying to grow as much as they can of one variety of plants. Just like soaking it. Yeah, they're stripping it or whatever. Yeah, so if you had like, if you had, even if you did raised beds, because I'm sure some of the soil is probably hard to do in Hawaii because it's uh, it's more like rocky, like, you know, volcanic kind yeah, of yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and even here in Florida, like, you know, it's a fucking swamp. So <laughs> you can just, uh, doing a raised bed is probably better, but mm-hmm. um, once you have that dirt, if you take care of your soil and, and like, like I'm not gonna grow tomatoes in the same raised bed three years in a row because it takes that, those nutrients out. And also the pests that like tomatoes will be like, hey, tomatoes grow here every year, yeah, yeah, stay yeah. here. So by like, and then, and then you have all these pests and say like for monocultures, they grow a lot of corn and soybeans, like thousands and thousands of acres. So the pests know where to go to get that. And Mm. then instead of, you know, switching up where they're growing corn, they're just spraying for for all these pests and stuff. Whereas if you rotate your crops, you're going to put different nutrients back into the soil. And you're going to give the pests, you know, some confusion of what's going on. So yeah. you don't have to use 
as many chemicals or any chemicals really you can like do it all, all organically i mean you do lose more but it's in the long run right food. it's because yeah. it, that's the thing it's like it's just about pushing out as much as possible to gain as much money as possible it's like it's not even about like creating the best at this point you know what i mean it's like creating the most and getting it out there so we can like flip it for money and it's crazy because you could i mean i don't know a ton about farming but like um i don't know anything about farming but i i i was reading about something where you can plant other plants next to those plants and then those plants like rid of those specific pests that you're worried about and then also like those create some sort of like acid or something in their roots that helps support, you know, this root system that this needs. And it's like, you know, there's all this science behind it on ways to do it naturally. And yeah, I'm wondering like, like beans will add like nitrogen back into your soil. Yeah, there it so is. Like, exactly. You know, there's different and different seasons of growing. So maybe like I'll have beans in this, uh, you know, this pot for the season. And then I know that, okay, my soil has some nitrogen in it because I just plant beans in it. Let me grow mm -hmm. something that does well with nitrogen. nitrogen. And then, yeah. You know, it all works together, but it just, you know, it kind of, I was always involved in like the soil food movement in college because my friends that actually own the pizzeria in Colorado, um, my friend Erica, I worked with her in the school library. <laughs> And she was the like the president of the slow food movement, and there were no pastry students in there, which I thought was weird. And then, like as I was like sitting and listening, like all of the wheat that we got, like most of it was from like um, like Eastern Europe and like not America. Not America, right? yeah. And this was before, I think we have a lot more now. Like, so I started, we had to do our bread class. And part of your bread class is you had to take care of your first sourdough starter and like feed it. So I decided, okay, I'm going to research and find a really good flour. And this was when King Arthur flour started getting popular. Mm -hmm. But like nobody, nobody was really using it. Like it wasn't like, like today, I think like if you go to the, any grocery store, like you can find it yeah but this was maybe 2010 or something mm -hmm. so you had to go to like yeah down to earth or something to like get a you had to go to like whole foods um, and like yeah, maybe, yeah. you know figure out which whole foods had it yeah, you know, yeah like that yeah. kind of thing like it was very mm -hmm. like obscure mm -hmm. and i remember my sourdough starter did better than any of the ones in the class and then my teacher's like, what kind of flour are you using? And like tried it out and it, was, it had nothing to do with me being a good baker. It was just that the yeast in my sourdough starter was getting more nutrients than the people who were using a like, crappier flour. Metal, whatever that, yeah, Pillsbury, whatever they're making. Whatever, whatever. Yeah, so it was really just like, you are what you eat and that yeah. it applies to everything. So it's like, if you want to put, like, I mean, this, it's so crazy how political the food stuff gets, but like, <laughs> you know, even when COVID came, like with the, you know, how centralized our meat system is and like things get people in the meat factories getting infected and there was nobody to slaughter the meat and process it and everything. Like um, if we went back to like a decentralized farming system where 
there were a lot of little farms, it would be better for the people because then you're not just using the plants and like interchanging them. Then you're like that field that you had, I don't know, what, you know, we were growing vegetables on, then the next season, that's where the, you know, the pigs are grazing or the yeah. cattle or the chickens yeah. or whatever. And then they're mm -hmm. pooping on that, they're fertilizing pooping, yeah. the soil. Yeah. So it's just, um, I feel like it's almost like forgotten knowledge. Yeah, it's an <laughs> ecosystem that's getting created. You know what I mean? Like you're creating an ecosystem where everything is supporting, everything's doing something that is helping one another. You know what I mean? And, and that's why everything grows. And when you separate all of that, and you just focus on this one thing, you know, like, of course, it's not going to be as great, you know. But and I also think it just makes the community so much better. For sure. Like, and even I think there's a there's a place around here that does like urban farming and stuff. And, you know, with the hydroponics, they've also come up with this thing where it's like, it's like a sleeve of dirt. So it's like mini, you know, pipes of dirt. It almost yeah, looks yeah, like. Yeah. I think I know what you're talking about. Grow everything in there. And mm -hmm. then you don't have to worry as much about like a uh, nutrient deficiency and stuff. You get higher yields, but you could do that. You know, one of the things in you know, living in New Jersey and live right by New York city and stuff. Yeah. We have all this roof space in these urban areas that's not being used and these empty lots and stuff. It would be so easy to, you know, just, start up there and you change the whole community like yeah and not only the community but then you got like the restaurants and everything there too right it's like wow i can get you i can get you fresh herbs that i picked 10 minutes ago delivered to your restaurant and you can be using the freshest you know what i mean that were just you know what i mean not necessarily uh picked but more so like they're at their peak right now and i will pick them and i will deliver them to your michelin star restaurant you know what i mean and well, I'm not sure. even that, like having the, having the containers on my balcony or porch or whatever, I'm on the first floor porch. <laughs> so, um, I have the, these cucumbers growing and like, there's little kids and stuff that I live right by, like where people go get their mail and like, it's like mm, an it. entrance Yeah. and, um, they've never seen a cucumber grow before. That's so crazy. They, they didn't know what it was, you know, they're like, what is that? What is that? You know, even the adults didn't, you know, they had no idea what it was. So I think it helps with like food education and, you know, hopefully we can get these people to eat some real food and not. We're so separated from our food. You know what I mean? Like when you go to a store now and it's like, oh, I want that and I'll buy that. And they don't even know what's inside of it. It's crazy how uneducated we are about the food and not only that but the food like you said politics or system and the way that all this stuff is processed it's like it's crazy you know um, i remember in high school the it was like the big thing was like the not having like the sugary stuff in vending machines mm -hmm. or something mm -hmm. but it was That's so hypocritical it. because it was like you can have sugar in the vending machine but for the school lunch you're gonna count ketchup as a vegetable yeah so, yeah I remember that. <laughs> I remember that because they needed to have a certain to meet like the the standards, right? They needed to have so many vegetables to whatever, whatever, and they they counted tomato sauce, ketchup as as a vegetable. And it's just like 
I think the less education there is, you know, obviously people don't, they, they don't know how bad they're being duped. Mm -hmm. Like they don't, you know, they don't know how bad it is for them in the long run. Like all the health problems and stuff. You're yeah. Have, it's from eating poorly. Yeah. You know? Like diabetes, mm -hmm. like all the things that most of the like hardworking class people in America, all the health problems they have to deal with, like the common ones, like obesity and diabetes mm -hmm. and stuff. It comes from poor nutrition mm -hmm. and really bad sleeping because mm -hmm. they're not, you know, they're working at night, they're working two jobs, like, and then people are like, oh, you're fat and lazy. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, you don't even know what hard work is. You don't so. even know what I do. Yeah. But then, you know, you don't sleep, you don't create that melatonin in your body. And the melatonin is what like fights cancer, you know, all those things. And it's just a compound effect of all of that stuff that happens in the body that just takes its toll, you know, and it's like so difficult. And then, you know, you mix in with uh, money into that whole system too, where it's like what's readily available in some places where people aren't, you know, as wealthy uh, compared to, you know, uh, more inner city areas or not inner city, but, you know, like more uh, higher end areas where, you know, you got whole food, you got a grocery, you got like five grocery stores in this one area. And then in, in, in some areas of the world or city, you got, it's not even a grocery store. It's a, it's a seven 11 or something that that's where you get your food, you know, it's crazy or a bodega or something, you know? So, yeah, um, it's like a food desert. It's like, what do you have access to? And I think that was great. Like you said, like having in New York, you have all these rooftops, like if you were to have someone do a pop-up farm in these areas to be able to supply those communities with fresh fruits and vegetables, that would be huge. I mean, even like I would travel to Scandinavia a lot for my job and they have a lot of, um, in their architecture, they have like living walls and stuff. Oh, and wow. This also, like besides like looking really cool, <laughs> like you could uh it saves them money because it insulates the building so it keeps it cool and warm in the summer and you know all that stuff but also you could have another element to that where you grow plants that you could use as food and then mm -hmm. you know you you win all the way around yeah so i just feel like america needs to to get up on the you know being yeah. green <laughs> But at the same time, that's all political too, because it's all yeah. those people in oil and stuff that have the money. Make money. To see that. Yeah. yeah, especially here in West Palm Beach. Like, I have never been in a place where that's like a, you know, supposedly like a a first world country where the wealth income gap is so apparent. Because you have Palm Beach Island, where it's like. Jeffrey Epstein over there, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like fucking crazy. Like, I can't even. I probably can't even imagine how rich they are. Like, that's how mm -hmm. rich they are. And then you have, like, the area where I live in is just the people that work for them. Mm -hmm. and, so, <laughs> and they're not, you know, people that are barely scraping by. I've seen. I see a moving truck in my apartment complex once a week because especially with the pandemic people are just yep. coming and going so it's just like and this is a tourist economy too so yeah it's same not, with hawaii it's bad yeah it's crazy it's i don't know it's crazy that's why back to youtube i was like 
if I can make videos online and make money off that, I'll try and do that instead. <laughs> yeah. And that, me too, because I'm like, I, I'm a hard worker. I was yeah. working two jobs and I, we were barely making enough money. You know, we were living paycheck to paycheck. So that's mm -hmm. still not good. It, it's better than it, it is now, but it's, it wasn't good. You know, Yeah. we want to get married. We want to have the American dream of having our house and kids and everything, but that's not going to fucking happen if you can't even put anything in savings. Yeah. So <laughs> I was like, how can I, how can I get a job that they can't take away from me? You yeah. know? So that was starting a YouTube channel because that's exactly, yeah. That's what I was thinking too. It's like, you know, you see these successful YouTube channels and then you Google them, like what's their net worth or whatever, right? And it's like, dude, you got this person that's just talking shit online all day or just filming their life. You know what I mean? They're not even anything special. They're just a regular person like me and you, you know, and they're just sharing their experience in life on whatever niche that is going to be. And they're making so much money doing it. You know what I mean? And then it goes so many layers to that you know there's so many ways to get money on youtube that i was learning and i was like wow it's not just the views but then you got like the sponsored videos you have um the affiliate marketing you have you know you can sell products there's so many ways that you can make money with youtube and then that's why i thought well man now that i'm broke i mean not broke but now that all my work is gone i can just double down on this youtube thing and hopefully we can try and like produce income with that and um, that is something that is somewhat passive too. You know, like all the videos that, all the money that I'm making right now on YouTube is from videos that I made last year, you know? So I can only imagine if I were to be able to scale that and do five videos, 10 videos, 50 videos, just like that chocolate chip cookie video. And then, and then work a real job on top of that to like, like really hustle and and save money and have and, health insurance yeah yeah <laughs> like and then and then it's just like you have all those layers of income you know so that's yeah it was really this whole covid thing that really kind of pushed the youtube thing i saw your first video right was you straight up saying like i lost my jobs so yeah, I'm i was like make a video on how to make bread because i'm trying to figure out ways to save money <laughs> and yeah. Yep. Because I was like, I mean, that that day was literally I lost both my jobs within like three days of each other, and I also am still not sure, never be sure if I actually had COVID. Because when I came home from my last trip, I was from Thailand, and this was right when, you know, Thailand was like the Everything country with the second most COVID cases, Gosh. and. Uh, I came home and I felt like shit, like, and I tried to get tested, but nothing was set up yet. Yeah. So I couldn't, they were like, oh, we'll test you for strep and influenza. If that's negative, like, then we'll send this out for testing for COVID. And they both came back negative and then they never sent the test out for COVID. And I was just like, and then on top of that, <laughs> so then on top of that, they, uh, <laughs> I was trying to track it down for two weeks because I thought they sent it out and I couldn't get a straight answer. And oh gosh. Because, you know, because America, we don't have socialized medicine in this country. I, it was $300 for me to go to the emergency room. So That's it's crazy. just like for nothing. And um, yeah, so I remember making that video. I was just like, 
I'm glad I'm the kind of person that when, you know, I very much try to like have some sort of feeling of control over my life, like most people do, but, but like, I'll just throw myself into a project <laughs> if I don't, because like, you have to have something you can focus on to kind of like help you through the hard times because mm-hmm. I was like, all right, well, if this is happening to me, it's got to be happening to everybody else. So like, how are we going to do this? I think it's kind of cool too to be able to look back on that, you know, years from now, five, 10 years from now to watch that video and be like, wow, holy shit, like this happened. And, and like, you know, I can only imagine like the, you know, staying consistent and sticking with YouTube and as your channel grows and everything blows up, it's like, whoa, like this was my first video. And I started because I lost my jobs and I was potentially infected with a virus. (laughs) You know what I mean? But it's just kind of cool to, uh, that's what I think I love about video too. It's like, it's not so much making it and sharing it and then um, like being like proud of like whatever you created. It's like watching it years from now. And, and then sometimes I like just watching my raw footage. Like we'll go through raw footage. Um, I have everything organized on hard drives. We'll just watch raw footage clips of our travels and everything more than we watch the edited video. Cause it's just, cool to see and hear and family you know what I mean yeah the family video yeah yeah for sure it's kind of yeah. cool I know what you mean yeah. I was a uh, actually my last um interview I did was with this uh girl from Nevada who was doing jujitsu and I just I saw that yeah yeah my so my brother sent me this video of me doing jujitsu when I was a kid and I didn't know that they were filmed so I had not I never saw it before. Like, so it was so crazy because like the way I remember the match was so much different than like what I actually saw happen. <laughs> it's like, it was going, so we were going so fast and we were doing this and that. And then no, it was so much faster in your brain when you fight. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, so I was like, that fight was like 10 minutes long. And it was like two minutes. Like, yeah. 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 Because you're, you know, your fight or flight go, kicks in. So you're taking yeah. in everything. At yeah. Yeah. Years spot but i was just like no oh, this is what this was crazy but even now i look at that first video i did and i feel like at least i'm in like a better headspace i feel like i don't feel like the world's gonna end i mean yeah. i end but i feel hopeful that i'll get to a thousand subscribers before that yeah <laughs> but <laughs> i think with the video ideas that you got definitely you know creating that content that's helpful you know like how to spatch cock a chicken you know yeah. how to sharpen a knife the right and way i feel like <laughs> i want to do things that relate to each other because spash coffee yeah. chicken relates to making chicken stock oh there mm-hmm. it is over there no yeah i think that's smart he's hungry <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, i think that's smart because then you keep people on your channel too right so it's like here's how to do this and then it's related to this other video so i'll watch it or vice versa like, oh, if you don't know how to spatchcock a chicken, check out my other video. I explain yeah. how to do it. You know what I mean? So it's and like- And I a, really like that you're, you have like your pan seared uh, salmon video, but it has like, the, with the panko. And then it ha- you have like the behind the scenes, like yeah. how to make this video. Like, I love that that's together because then you can see like, not only, like you're not just giving advice, like you're showing that it actually works because you have the mm-hmm. video done and for people to watch. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
No, yeah. So I actually shot a video earlier. That's why I have everything set up. I shot a video earlier about me explaining how I plan my YouTube channel. And that was one, how I plan my content and how I schedule it. And that was one of the examples that I use. It was like, well, if you take some time to just plan, then you can get people to stay on your channel longer. And like your ideas are super smart. Like, yeah, here's how to make a chicken stock, but you need to spatchcock a chicken first. I have a whole nother video on that instead of making one long ass video too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think I started with that and I was like, this Mm. is not a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) And even like my friends are like, I like this one, but why is there no music? Or I'm like, I don't know how to do that yet. I'm still researching. (laughs) Like, so it's, yeah, I could see the learning process too, but because some of the stuff I was like, I had to, well, I just had to learn how to edit, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I think I found your videos when I first started like getting music in my videos. That's when I found like your <laughs> channel. <laughs> I was like, oh, I like this guy. Did you wear that shirt in the video? You <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. I, um, I think I found you in another YouTube like chat like group on Facebook. So I think I was following you from that Facebook group a while back too. I think that's how I came across your channel. Yeah. I think it was just bothering you. I for our listeners, I just bother Philip all the time and I say, Hey, <laughs> I don't know how to do this. <laughs> the answers this is amazing because I don't expect an answer. <laughs> I think that's why I made that other group too, because it was like, there's so many groups that are just full of like bullshit, you know, where it's like you post a video with a specific question and then the people that comment are like, they comment a link to their video and say, watch the whole thing. And, or they'll screen capture that they watched yours all the way to the end. And they'll say like, I watched your whole thing and subscribe, do that for me too. It's like, dude, I was asking like, if you could read my font, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and it just turned into a bunch of BS. And that's why I was like, dude, we need to have a group that like actually has real people in it that are trying to like actually grow their channel and make money. You know what I mean? Like that is the goal is like to make money with YouTube, you know? Yeah. And I actually met, um, I don't know how he pronounces it because I've obviously never met him in real life, but uh, Alan or Alan or something, but he's from Newfoundland. And uh, he's got like a really interesting story too. So I feel like the Facebook groups are going to be good for like this part of my channel that I want to keep going because I really think like people love food and they love chefs, but when you're doing your cooking videos, like you don't get to say as much about like yourself and why you're doing that and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really cool to do like interviews like this to just get into like the mind of a chef or the mind of, you know, the mind of the person cooking, why they're cooking it. Because I noticed on his channel, he lost like a lot of weight or something. And mm-hmm. he was doing, um, so it was like an ice cream and a Vitamix. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but to not, you know, you don't want to bore people, not bore people, but like when you're making how to videos, people sometimes are just there to get the information and yeah get to the point right yeah yeah. so I feel like this is a good 
format so people can like get to know get to know you better and then they become a fan of you and they want to come back to your channel because they got to see what kind of person you are I think that's great that you do it and you should definitely share these videos in the group you know like because it'd be cool to see everyone in the group and find out what kind of person or who they are as a person you know and then you connect with them and I think this thing people connect with people right but um yeah I think you're your what is this called like series of these like little things are great because yeah you can really i've just been calling them guests of grace but i feel like i need a better name (laughs) (laughs) that worked i was like there's two g's in there (laughs) (laughs) it's an alliteration people have alliteration yeah 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 but uh yeah but yeah this one we'll post in there because uh i think the admin will be okay with it (laughs) (laughs) yeah just post it i don't care like that's the other thing too it's like trying to play police in that group it's like i don't want to be a a jerk and not allow people to post but i want to try and keep us on track with you know the goals or whatever i i genuinely want everyone to share their videos if if that was the case yeah share your video i don't care i want everyone to see it and want to share it but i just feel like it'd be so easy to get lost in that group on the page if it's just a bunch of videos, you know, so. Well, also, it's not, like, like you don't want people sharing the videos that it's just, like, share, like, you're not even looking at the group. You're just, mm-hmm. you know, you have it, you made your video, and you're, you're clicking share, 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 which, mm-hmm. of course, I do that, too. That's what like, I do. That's what I do. Uh, yeah. You know, like, the simple recipes and stuff, but, like, in a, in a group like this where it's, like, that's not what it's for you know yeah. it's for mm-hmm. improving yourself and getting real feedback because mm-hmm. you're not going to get that in cheap meal I- recipe meal ideas group like that's not going to happen agree so, but yeah really because the youtube cooks this youtube cooks discussion group just got like not good i think that was the one that i saw you in first mm-hmm. um but then you created this one which is youtube creator cooking creators yeah yeah that YouTube cooks group, I recommended that because I think originally I was in the YouTube, The it was a YouTube cooks group. I was in it and then I was asking questions that I wanted to know about when I was trying to grow my channel. And then I tried to give information and then I just straight up asked like, does anyone even care? Like, do you even care about how to make money on YouTube or with cooking videos? Does anyone even care? And then um, I just wanted to see if there's actually other people out there that are actually trying to make a YouTube channel and make money specifically with cooking. And then I think that's when the moderator of that channel, I mean, that group made the discussion group. And then in that discussion group, I would try and open up discussions. And then there was like no, there was no like momentum in some of them. And um, that's when I was just like, I'd rather just make my own group and then I can at least, how can I say it? Not necessarily control, not that I want control necessarily, but I can at least like set a pace on how I want it to like be, you know what I mean? And, and um, I'm hoping that this group turns into that, but it, it's growing. It grows all the time, but I mean, and that grows every week it grows, but um, yeah. I'm, I'm, and it's cool to see other people, engage with other people it's not always me having to answer the questions it's kind of cool to see other people give other people feedback and i'm like oh shit it's working like you know what i mean like it's actually working so i'll put that we'll put the link to that in the description so well maybe we can get a couple more people that are 
Actually, yeah, join a group, but only if you're gonna like participate. <laughs> yeah, or not even like if you're gonna sit there and read and learn stuff. Yeah, like, but don't spam learn. the shit out of it. Yeah, like, that's what we're real. trying to avoid. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I gotta get this one. Something you gotta feed this guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and strain the chicken back and do the voiceover for that video I fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> well good luck with that thank you for having me and uh you know very honored to be on your show so be excited I'm to that, you, that you came on here i got the the admin of the youtube <laughs> <laughs> Dude, i'm just a regular person that made a facebook group you could do the same thing <laughs> got a, the nice striped shirt on <laughs> yeah i got shirt. i got a link to the shirts in the description <laughs> you should you should you should just put like this should be like like, this should be what's what's good on it and then there you go you got your uh new uniform i should have like merch that's just like it's always the striped shirt that'll be the that'll be the thing people would buy it (laughs) that's my brand it's a nice striped shirt (laughs) (laughs) the stripes are nice and straight like (laughs) not too small not too small doesn't hurt your eyes perfect (laughs) Anyways, I'll talk about this shirt all day. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> thank you again. Thank right. you so much. Right. And uh, uh, so thanks for watching. <laughs> and uh, all, the, <laughs> all the links will be in the description below. And don't forget to subscribe to my channel and also Philip Lemoyne's channel when you click all the links. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Bye. Bye.